Good morning. Welcome to all who are here and also to all who are there and all we have words like us synchronous and asynchronous and asynchronous is people who listen to this talk or any talk or anything um, in another time so welcome all of you someone was surprised the other day that we were actually apamata actually had some kind of home in all in austin because um we're really everywhere So a couple of things. One is um, when I was sitting this morning and looking at the candle, whenever I'd look at the candle, the flame was going toward all of you. And it's not right now because all of you is me on the big screen. But when I didn't look at the candle, the flame would be just up and down as it is now. So you might ask yourself, how did I know how the flame looked when I didn't look at the candle? Um, I can't tell you that. I don't know. So the next thing is, um, I was thinking about the difference between interesting and useful. And when a scientist works, he gets tons of data, he or she, or it. And, and then they um, decide what data is useful. Like if you walk into a room, and the curtains on fire, that's pretty useful information. But if um, nothing's different than the way it was before, that might not be so useful. But um, because I'm, I'm uh, got to have a screwy mind, um, everything's useful to me. But, but, you know, things are more useful than others. And so I hope this will be useful. And so I'm going to start off with something useful because I know people's attention kind of um, changes during a talk. So you want something useful, right? Okay. So um, sometimes we have disagreements. And when American Indians, this one tribe, had a disagreement, they would the elders would go and sit at a table. And I imagine this table to be a picnic table outside in a park or in the wilderness. And they would put a pumpkin in the middle of the table. And the pumpkin would represent the problem. And they would all view their, they would all describe the problem from their vantage point. And I think that's really important in terms of um, the four practice principles, which is really what I need your help with today, looking at. And uh, we've been um, studying very, various chants in the chant book on Wednesday at noon. And this is one that we did about a month ago, and it's been um, challenging me since then. And the chant is, Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. So this is also the Four Noble Truths. 
and it was composed by Joe Gobeck and Alan Capra, who not only was a poet, but was one of the initiators of the happening. So uh, K-A-P-R-O-W, you might want to read about him. He's a fascinating guy. So I've been curious about how we describe or visualize being caught in the self-centered dream. What would it look like if we saw life as it is? So in a disagreement, we're often in that self-centered dream. And as we resolve the disagreement, we're seeing life more as it is. I was very surprised um, when I asked my wife to tell me what life as it is looked like to her. And it was so completely different than what I did, what I saw. And I think in the same way, looking at the pumpkin, they'll all see something different, even though they're actually seeing the pumpkin, which again represented the problem. I've become more and more aware that I don't understand much of the Buddhist jargon that I hear. And most of us aren't um, honest about that, but I see that Joan's here, uh, Joan Mueller, and um, she, she raises this uh, topic quite often. They are too abstract for my noodle. I hear one concept, concept and I'd like to spend some time with it. And then another comes and then another. So it's very difficult for me, I don't know about for you, hearing all this stuff and trying to figure out what it means. And you wanna just hang on to the last thing that was said and then it goes on and on and on and you just um, turn into mud. It seems that experiences are much easier to understand, at least for me. Like today, I forgot to duck when I came to the, this branch of ours that hangs over the sidewalk and I bumped my head. That's not really true, it's just a, something I wrote, but you get it. But the Dharma isn't so clear. It is like I'm thrown one wad of tangled thread after another. The phrase, a self-centered dream, is not something I can immediately see or feel. I'm really curious, maybe people are a lot different, but when they hear something, a phrase like that, what does it really, do they get an image or is it just words? But given the time, I can pass through my noodle one dream after another and see which shoe fits. So I wonder, is my self-centered, I don't want to give you any ideas, but is my self-centered dream this or this or this? What fits? Going to the shoe store, and I guess we used to do that, and you try on different shoes and see what fits. So to start with, we're going to do a, a couple of activities. And the first is, that I'd like you to either write or draw on a piece of paper, what is your self-centered dream and how are you caught by it? Maria, would you put that in chat? Thank you.
Please be specific in your description. You may write or draw or both. And if you're, you know, I'm sure if you're drawing, you could just scribble because we'd all scribble something different. What is your self-centered dream and how are you caught by it? Well, take about five minutes for this. Perhaps the second part of the question is especially important. How are you caught by it? So you know that thing in school where they say, now put down your pencils. So Jack Cornfield wrote, to let go, you know, and this, this can kind of uh, relate to our self-centered dream and how we're caught in it. To let go is to release the images and emotions, the grudges and the fears, the clingings and disappointments of the past that bind our spirit. To let go is to release the images and emotions, the grudges and fears, the clingings and disappointments of the past that bind our spirit. And what I'm finding with these chants that we do is there's particular words that appear to uh, not have been in the chant originally, but the next time I read it, they are. And, and a word I'm noticing here is of the past. that bind our spirits. These are all things of the past that creates a self-centered dream. So the next investigation we're going to do is life as it is. So what is this life as it is? Is it what our textbooks say? And um, I had a rude awakening moving to Texas and finding out how important Texas is for our textbooks. In fact, it's kind of funny, isn't it, that um, the first three words are Texas, first three letters of textbook. Is it CNN or Fox, BBC or PBS? What is life as it is? In photography, we speak of a record shot where the photograph simply describes the scene. And this is, this is a very deceptive idea. I used to give a photography assignment where they would do a record shot and then an interpretive shot. And almost always the record shots were the most expressive and the interpretive shots were the most kind of bland and records. Uh, when they first surveyed the West for national parks, they sent a photographer and a draftsman and they used the photographer for illustration because at that time they didn't know how to read photographs in terms of mapping and then they used the draftsman for accurate depiction of where things were very interesting in dragnet we, had, we are told that about the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and I think we imagine awakening as getting to that point where that's what we see. But keep thinking about the pumpkin, because I think that's really important that no one sees the whole pumpkin, even life as it is. And then there is the word of God in the Bible. Is that life as it is? We swear in the Bible to tell the truth. Do we know what that is? So our next activity 
is, and Maria will put it in the chat. What is your description of life as it is? I was so surprised that um, I've been married for something like 52 years, and I never asked my wife this. And uh, it just surprised me so much. Oh, and by the way, um, we're having a little appearance by Buddha at the end, thanks to Carol Corey, who's here from St. Louis, and he's going to tell us the answer, you know, which was against my rules to, to ever ask a question that I knew the answer to, but, but we're going to hear Buddha's answer. So, but first, your answer. Okay, so what is your description of life as it is, and why is it the only teacher? What does each moment have to do with life as it is? And you notice I, I, I emphasize the word past in that Jack Kornfield um, quote. So each moment, life as it is, what does each moment have to do with life as it is? And why is this compassion's way? Describe your experience of life as it is. And really, um, you know, stuff we've, we've all talked about since I've been around, Appamata certainly, is that if it doesn't lead to compassion, it's pretty useless. So what's the connection here? What is your description of life as it is? Why is it the only teacher? What does each moment have to do with life as it is? And why is this compassion's way? Describe your experience of life as it is. We'll do five minutes. Now we're gonna do uh, breakout rooms in, of three or four people for 15 minutes. And I'd like each of you to take turns describing your self-centered dream and life as it is. And you can either read what you wrote or you can just talk about it or and hold up the image and then we'll come back as a bigger group. Any questions? Okay, Maria, would you please? Okay, who's going to be first? Someone's got to break the ice. So the ice would go down the river, and if you didn't break up the ice, it would, it would ruin the bridge. That's where that expression comes from. <laughs> I would like to ask Anne to share her drawing of life as it is. Oh, great. I think she might have had to leave. Anne, did you leave? Yeah, I think she had to leave early, which is a shame. She did some beautiful drawings. Oh, and that was kind of one thing in our discussion, and I don't want to summarize it, but one thing key was this idea of each moment and how things change. And then Joan said, Joan, what did you say about that? That's what makes life so exciting is that you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think that's what makes us so addicted to life is that, you know, no matter what's going on now, what's going to happen next? It's just always full of surprise. 
Starlet, maybe you could describe Anne's uh, drawing. Oh, yes, I hope I can do justice to it. She drew what she said was a particle field, which represent, she represented the particles separate, but also some of them were concentrated. So they were dispersed on the page, some closer to others. So it looked like a starry night. It looked like galaxies and stars. And at the same time, when you looked at it, it looked like neurons. So in that image, she had portrayed particles that are microscopic, the universe that is the largest that in existence with the stars and the galaxies. But then you could also see life represented in the neurons of the brain and our place in all of that. So I thought it was marvelous. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the life as it is drawing, right? Starlet? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to chime in. I was in the same group with Anne and Rosemarie and Starlet. And, um, I, I, and Anne also did a very beautiful drawing to represent the self-centered dream, uh, or at least it really spoke to me. Uh, it, she showed, it was a drawing of her face with some glasses and there were words written in and on and around the glasses. Betty was also in the same group. And um, uh, it spoke to me because it was, a, it, it seemed like a description of what I experienced, which is an automatic um, screen or, or set of, you know, visual uh, uh, apparatus that interferes with actually letting things be as they are. But in, in my description that I added on to what she was saying, it, it, it just a, a screen of preoccupations, just the things that I want, the things that I want to stop, uh, that that um, don't allow me to even make the initial contact with with the ever changing, beautifully interdependent stuff outside. And that was her drawing. I like your I like your comment, especially about letting things be as they are. Because that seems to be the second step there. You know, how we treat things. Anything else? Any? Oh, there, Mady. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I, I think uh, my conclusion is, again, the last line of this, uh, you know, verse. Uh, being the moment, I, I, this is important, you know, the rea reality of life, the dream, you know, and our thoughts and then our understanding of that. 
and then at the end, understanding and being with, and you know, acceptance perhaps. And then the other part is the compassion's way, which is, you know, our input, our, you know, action from awareness or from whatever, you know, or true self perhaps in this equation. To me, that's important, you know, in, in a compassion's way, accepting. And then, you know, of course, the Flint adds wisdom. And that also is a very powerful, you know, complex meaning. So accept and put your input. I mean, to me, that is a condensed Conden condensation from what I understand from. That's my way of inter interpretation or understanding this. It's beautifully done. It's very, I, I, I don't know. I, I am, I, I think I'm, I'm in touch with reality. <laughs> I'm not in the dream. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Buddha just stepped in and he said that he needs to, he, oh, you want to say something, Ellen? I was just going to speak for our group, uh, and but please, it was uh, uh, Joan Muller and Bill and, um, and Miran and me, and uh, I would say, and y'all tell me if you don't agree, I think we were all much more into the self-centered dream than the second half. I mean, we had pretty vivid descriptions of the self-centered dream. Uh, uh, Bill had a neurological description that was very interesting. Joan had a picture which she may, if she wants, you know, may want to uh, show us that. And then I've had a recent experience that just completely discombobulated me. And I had a pretty good description of that. Uh, as far as the last half of it, uh, Let's see, caught in a self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. And then each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. I mean, my take on that was um, it's it, being, being in the moment and seeing what I'm doing is, is on, only way I can get insight into, oh yeah, I'm, I'm caught in the self-centered dream. You know, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's how it's the only teacher. And uh I don't know. We didn't get too far with that one, that that part of it. That's us, unless anybody in my group wants to add something. Well, I hope this discussion continues because this seems to be so important. What is this all about? So I'm, I have a, a Buddha said he had to go soon, but so I want to uh, read a couple of things. Um, Imagine that life as it is, is actually boundless, boundless in all 10 directions, opening up our center into a black hole that extends into a white hole that extends beyond time and space. In the other direction, life as it extends beyond the beyond again and again. So life as it is in this world, but it is also anything but a singular moment. Rather, it is the whole timeline in infinite dimensions, past, present, and future, from the vantage point of this moment, but not to the exclusion of any other moment. It isn't a snapshot. It is a bulletproof 
blackness of a photographic negative when the shutter is left open. And then uh, Barry uh, Magid, who was a student of Joko Beck, wrote this. What is the alternative to being in a self-centered dream? That's really what I was trying to think about in revising that second line. He was converting the chant, I think, to Finnish, Finn, you know, however you say that, the, the language of the Finns. Um, what do you wake up to? If you wake up to a self-centered dream, too often in Zen, there's a kind of language about waking up as if we wake up and then see reality directly as if it was something now fixed and clear. Only we are no longer looking at it through a cloudy self-centered lens. And that's certainly how I've been dealing with this, that I just have to clean my glasses. But actually the world and the self are equally empty, equally lack any, equally lack any fixed, continuous, permanent essence. Both are dreams. That's pretty neat. Both are impermanent, transitory, without substance. The suffering of a self-centered dream is the suffering of trying to hold on to and maintain a permanent point of ref reference. To me, that's the caught. A permanent, unchanging me in the midst of a changing world that somehow you are going to be able to hold and maintain in the midst of a flux. That's always going to be a losing battle. And we know so often people want things to change. I think it was fascinating, the voting the other day about uh, the booster shot and how there were people who, do, who seemed like they don't want to change anything and there's people who want to change things and they voted according to who they were as opposed to the, the topic, but maybe I'm wrong. So here is Buddha, who I promised you, Thanks to Carol Corey, who sent this to me. It's called, My World is Peaceful. And this is what life is. People think that this world is in a great fire. The end of the kalpa is coming. In truth, my world is peaceful. It is filled with divas and humans. The gardens, forests, and pavilions are adorned with many treasures. The jeweled trees bear many flowers and fruits. The living beings are enjoying it all, and the gods are beating heavenly drums, making many kinds of music, and raining down mandarva flowers on the multitude and upon myself. Isn't that cool? It's from the Lotus Sutra. Yes, thank you. I should have said that. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Carol, uh, I want to thank Carol publicly. So uh, around 2007 or eight, I was in a calligraphy workshop that Carol was in also. And somehow I was sitting, I think, next to her or her husband and saying that uh, I reached, maybe I said, I don't know, that I retired and I was interested in Buddhism or something, she said, well, why don't you come and join our sitting group? And so that was 13 years ago. So thank you again, Carol. I keep thanking her, but thank you again. And so um, 
I want to thank all of you for this investigation, and I hope it can continue, and I hope we can um, not see eye to eye on this, in a sense, but see our own life as it is. Uh, and the flowers. I've gone a little over the time, so if you need to leave, fine, but I'm going to do the service. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Kim. Thank you, Kim. I love thank what you, uh, Gomer thank Pyle. Thank you, Do you know Gomer Pyle? Thank you, Kim. He says, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs>